Good day, everybody. So glad to have you along with us. My name is Doug. Glad you are with us as we are thinking through God's Word together. Good morning, Megan. Hey, Lewis. Appreciate those comments. He says, great start to Romans 12 yesterday, Keep us, keeping us in the context. And there's more of that to come today. Child of Elohim, good morning. Hey, David Bickard fan. Mark, welcome back. Glad to have you with us. Good morning, Martha. Ken, uh, David Bickard fan wants to know, was that guitar a Strat in the mini guitar solo? Indeed. Good ears. Yes. As a uh, Eric Clapton Strat from the... Uh, early 90s. So way to go. Hey, Edgar. Hey, Caitlin. Good to have you with us. A uh, reminder that tonight at 5.30 my time, which is Mountain Time, we have our next Cross to Crown Partners Zoom meeting. So if you are a partner, you should have received an email. In fact, I sent another one out this morning with the uh, Zoom link because apparently it wasn't attached to all of the emails. Um, so look for that. And if you'd like to join us, it is not too late. You can become a partner today. Go to crosstocrown.org, click on CTC Partners, sign up to be a partner, and I'll send you a link so that you can join us. Uh, what, we what we do is we spend an hour, sometimes two, depending on how much time I have and where it all goes, but we, we talk through uh, what we've been discussing. So in particular, we're going to focus on Romans 9 through 11 that we recently finished. But then, as time allows, we'll talk about whatever you want to. So if, you, uh, if you'd like to join us, We'd love to have you. So let's, uh, let's test ourselves. Is your mind being renewed? The way that Paul talks about in Romans here that we looked at yesterday. And here's the test. And it's going to be a very different test than you might have thought. How do you think about other Christians? What is your immediate evaluation of someone who says that he or she is a believer? I'm going to show you that's the test and that's the concern Paul has here. Think about your, uh, I don't know, recent social media posts or interacting with others on social media? Because in some ways today, that's a, that's a good test because we, we say things to and about others online that we would never say to their face. And I think it gives us a little bit of a, um, an evaluative tool to say, what do I really think of myself and what do I think of other Christians? Is, is our speech, is our, 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 um, our words, our writing, does it promote the unity of the body? Or does it promote disunity? Does it encourage people and draw them together? Or does it mark out a dividing line? Like, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. You don't measure up to my standards. I'll tell you, as I observe many, many Christians online and see the battles and disputes, theological battles and things online, there's a great deal of division, arrogance, and, a, and a, not a lot of concern for unity. Now, don't get me wrong, there is a place for spirited, lively, good disagreement as we all pursue truth. 
But we need to all, as Paul's going to say, we need to stop and examine our own minds and thinking here to see whether or not we are promoting unity or disunity with our thoughts and words. And then what about the people you interact with on a regular basis in person from your local congregation? Well, you may think, what's that got to do with renewing your mind? I thought renewing your mind was all about reading uh, the reformers. <laughs> nope. So here's Romans 12.1 and following again. I call on you, therefore, brothers. Now, again, remember who he's writing to. Remember who he's writing to. Remember who the you refers to. He's got a church in Rome, the center of paganism. And these people have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And then they had a bunch of Jews come in and say, you have to be circumcised, keep the law, submit to Moses. We have the promises of God. We have the law, all these things, right? And Paul has spent all this time in these first 11 chapters saying, it's not about the law. It's not about Israel. It's not about all of that. Here's the truth of the gospel. Here's what's true of the law and the Jews. Now he says, I'm calling on you, Jews and Gentiles, whoever is in this group of people, I'm calling on you through the compassions of God, the mercies of God that God has called you Gentiles. And he's called you believing Jews from the vessels of wrath and to be vessels of mercy. I'm calling on you through those compassions, present your bodies a sacrifice. Present your body, not as instruments of unrighteousness, but as instruments of righteousness. Present your bodies as a sacrifice, living one. You're a living sacrifice sanctified, set apart, acceptable to God, your intelligent or rational service. This is worship in the new covenant. Worship is not about going to a building on Sunday mornings. It's certainly not about receiving the sacraments, call to worship, any of that. It is presenting your body as a living sacrifice. That is new covenant worship. And do not be conformed to this age, rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your mind needs to be thinking new thoughts. For you're proving what is the will of God. The good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, you can imagine, can't you? The Jews saying, Okay, Paul, okay, Christians, how are you going to know what God wants you to do without the law? How are you going to know what it means to please God without the law? And Paul's saying, if your mind is transformed, well, more precisely, if your mind is renewed, you will experience a transformation which will enable you to prove, like put out the test and then pass the test and prove what God's will is, that which is good and acceptable to God and perfect. Remember, that's the idea of reaching the goal. 
You can get there through thinking the way the Lord wants you to think. And imagine, so far, not a hint of this dealing with Grudem or Calvin or Sproul or MacArthur, Augustine. (laughs) You realize that the Romans didn't have even the whole New Testament. We don't know what they had, but they may not have had any other letters in the New Testament. And we want renewing your mind to be about reading the great writings of men over the last 2,000 years. Obviously, that is not what Paul had in mind. They didn't even have the whole New Testament yet. No, no, no. This, this renewing your mind, this transformation is not about theology. Now, look at the very first word of verse 3. Do you see it? Four. Does that mean he's starting a new paragraph that's unrelated to the previous paragraphs? So renewing your mind is all about systematic theology, but now I'm going to get into practical? No. For, you want to know what God's will is, the good and perfect and acceptable will? For, I say, through the grace that was given to me, I say to everyone who is among you, not to think above what it ought to think. If your mind is being renewed, you have a proper evaluation of yourself and you do not think beyond what it is necessary for you to think. In other words, you don't look at yourself as all that. You have a sober evaluation of who you are you think wisely, and this is not exactly what the Greek is. It's more in the right man, right man, right mind or sound mind. So he's doing not this, but that. Do not think beyond what is what you ought to think or what is necessary to think. Rather, think in sound mind, in your right mind, as to each God dealt a measure of faith. God has, has given you a measure of faith, just like he's given me a measure of grace, Paul says. Okay, so what? What, is, what does it mean to think of ourselves rightly? To have a sound mind, this renewed mind that is sound, that is thinking as it ought to, according to how each one has been dealt a measure of faith? Look where he goes with this. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same office or literally practice, so we, the many, are one body in Christ and members of one another, each one. Now, you all have been with me for a while. I'm convinced you are learning how to study the Bible the right way. Do you see why it is so important to not just study a verse at a time, paragraph at a time, and not let your chapter divisions and and, uh, uh, section headings change? These words, for, for, so, those are all connective words that say he's got one flowing thought here. This renewed mind 
and doing what is good and acceptable, God's will, these are not abstract concepts. These are not theological concepts in our typical systematic sense. He is deeply concerned that these people put their bodies on the altar, so to speak. Now, it's a living sacrifice, right? But it's a sacrifice. And that they worship God in an acceptable way, and that is going to lead to sober self-analysis and recognizing we are all one body in Christ. How sadly ironic is it that we so often come to this text and define a renewed mind in terms that actually drive division in the body. I've got my church tradition, my theological tradition. I read all of these authors, human authors, and I come down on a side on all these things, and I'm renewing my mind with the writings of men, and then you come from a different perspective and I look down upon you. You don't think the way I think you should think. You don't act the way I think you should act. You don't see everything the way I think you should. And so now we have a division because clearly your mind is not renewed like mine is because I've been reading all these works of men, humans, especially since the Reformation. And we get to a place that is just the opposite of what this inspired author intended when he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what does a, re a renewed mind look like? It means I look at myself and say, okay, God has measured out faith to me, right? That's what he says here. As to each, God dealt a measure of faith. So now I need to evaluate myself and say, am I seeking unity among believers? Do I regard other believers as members of the one body? Or do I have a very narrow closed view here that is based on really the traditions of men? How easy is it for us to become very much like the Pharisees? teaching as the doctrines of God, the doctrines of men. Paul says, a renewed mind, a living sacrifice, the one who's presenting themselves as living sacrifices is seeing the body as one with lots of different members. And we have different practices. We have different emphases, different gifts, different abilities. He's going to go on and talk about that, which we'll, we'll see tomorrow. But we're one. We've got to recover this, folks. We've got to recapture this. Because we have a world to influence. We have a church to build worldwide 
And it's not going to happen if we are dividing over the writings of men. We need renewed minds. And it's hard. That's why I think he starts with uh, put your body as living sacrifice. It's hard. I mean, this is, this is another way of saying, which he will say later on in this chapter, it's about loving one another. Loving one another. That's how they will know you're my disciples, Jesus said. Your love for one another. Now, if your immediate thought is, well, does that mean we don't care about truth? <laughs> of course not. Paul spent the first 11 chapters teaching truth. But we got to be very careful with that line of thinking. It's not unity at all costs, I agree. But what we tend to do and what the church has done a lot over the centuries is we go beyond what is written, we go beyond what God has revealed, and we say, you've got to conform to these human authors, these men, well, I shouldn't say human, Paul's human too, you know what I mean, the non-inspired writings of men, especially in the last several centuries, and in order for us to have unity, we have to ascribe to the same confession of faith and so on, and that's where we start getting into trouble, it seems to me. Caitlin says, when someone tries to convince me a, of a, do a doctrine of devils is correct while my pastor preaches new covenant, Jesus-centered, I witnessed, I witnessed them. <laughs> yeah, there are, I don't, I'm, this is hard with text. I'm not entirely sure uh, where the tongue-in-cheek, I think there's some tongue-in-cheek there. There, don't get me wrong, there are, there are beliefs that are, we can't fellowship. We're not in one body with those who believe this and that. But think about what's going on here in Rome. Paul has had to deal with some very significant issues. Jewish theology is contrary to the gospel. And so he had to teach against it. And he did at great length. And presumably, some of these Romans were being persuaded by some of this. And maybe they were, I'm speculating here, but maybe they were circumcising their children for religious reasons. Maybe they were starting to implement some of the law. Uh, maybe they were, we, we're going to see in chapter 14, there's division over the Sabbath day and what you eat and what you drink and that kind of thing. So it, it's creeping in and the, the influence of Jewish theology is having an impact. And Paul is saying, don't go there. So there's a place to teach against erroneous thinking. But we just have to be careful and not default to dividing or belittling others because they don't agree with our tradition. Does that make sense? Rob says, would it be fair to say that when men overemphasize over positions such as Calvinism or Arminianism, 
regardless of whether they're true or not, that it can do more damage. Uh, yeah, I think so. Any any aberrant view, any any view that is contrary to the scripture, certainly can, if taken too far, can lead to great harm. I think what Paul's getting at, what I'm trying to emphasize here is our default setting towards someone who claims to be a Christian, our default setting should be, let's find a place of unity. Until proven otherwise. Until proven otherwise. Absolutely, there's a point at which, uh, to use the two you gave, uh, there are Calvinists who, it seems to me, almost worship Calvinism more than Jesus. Now, you know, I'll, you know what I mean by that. They're, what they hold so dearly is their abstract doctrinal views of things more so than devotion to Christ and his people. That's dangerous. And at some point, you might decide we, we can't be in fellowship anymore. And there are minions who go so far with it that God really does stop being God and it's, it doesn't seem to resemble the God of the Bible. And at some point, you may have to break fellowship. But it should be after much discussion and dialogue where your default setting is, I think we're one in Christ. Let's talk about these things. Now, again, there's there the Bible all over. There's rebuke, correction. Those are two different things. We, I would say we're not very good at receiving rebuke and correction or giving rebuke and correction. It does very easily become a pride fest and well, I shouldn't say that these days. <laughs> it becomes uh, a matter of pride and uh, it hurt feelings and that kind of thing as opposed to we're all trying to pursue truth here. So the, I, I don't want to give the impression there's no place for correction or rebuke. There's all kinds of place for that. But if you're correcting someone, it should come across as, I believe you are one with me in Christ. I happen to think you're wrong about this, and let's talk about it. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at here, uh, and the attitude matters. Dale says, since I'm not a heretic, the surest way to avoid heresy is to agree with me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Child of Elohim, weren't those who followed Jesus considered a heresy? Yeah, absolutely. And the Pharisees had drawn their theological lines. And uh, if you didn't conform to their view of thinking, you were, you were not a, uh, a member of the covenant community. You were to be chastised or worse. Uh, they were called a sect the way, exactly. Amy says, amen, I wish I could assemble without hearing the belittling of brothers that aren't gathering in this specific building, teaching as commands the doctrine of men has been in my head for months now. And that's, you know, some of you have been around and you've watched the series and you've heard me go off on the traditional model church. And I want to be careful about that because even there, I'm, I'm not really trying to, I mean, almost all of you are in the traditional model. So I'm not, I'm not trying to throw stones at you. I'm just trying to get us to see what's in the scripture. The more I get away from it, though, the traditional model, 
it is very difficult because there's so much tied into our buildings, our budgets, our leaders, our, our traditions. And uh, it, it can be done, I think, but it's very, very difficult not to have an air of despising those who meet in another building from a different tradition. So we've got to be careful. We can do that in, in, in every, every way. I, I warn our people here all the time. Uh, we have not found the perfection and everyone else who does it differently is wrong. We have to be careful with that. David Bickerfan, I find it helpful to ask lots of questions. Uh, where is this found in the text, et cetera, rather than stating what I believe and saying someone is wrong. Yeah, exactly. Because humility would require that. I might be the one who's wrong. So let me ask questions. Now, again, questions that, that force someone to defend their position, we should not be afraid of that. Um, if you're right, you should be able to defend it. And if you're not right, you should want to be corrected. So I think it's a good, good plan. Dale says, thank you, Lord, that I am not like the traditional modern church. <laughs> uh, which tweet are you thinking of? Maybe. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm probably guilty of this as well, although more recently, I certainly am trying to point out and raise questions and provoke discussion more so than so on. Uh, Mark says, knowledge contested is knowledge advanced. Exactly. If we come at this humbly, we should all want to be improved. I've learned a lot. I've changed my mind enough over the years uh, to know that, yeah, I'm probably wrong about something now and a few years from now, or a few months from now, or a few days from now, maybe hours, I'll, uh, I'll come to see it differently. All right, well, my voice is giving up, <clears throat> so I'm gonna call it a day there. Uh, thanks for your thoughts. Think about this and be careful, social media, personal interactions, renewed minds, care for the unity of the body. We'll see you tomorrow, take care.